Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. So today, again, do you know what? Before I get started, I feel like I'm falling in love with doing the podcast all over again. And I think if any of you, it doesn't have to be a podcast, a blog, any of you that have done the same thing over and over again, sometimes you hit a little bit of a, it's a rhythm, but sometimes it can just feel like you're running the mill, you know, like you can just feel a little bit, you're going through the motions. And at the beginning of the year, I was like, I want to I want to mix things up a bit. And I really have been doing that on the podcast and doing more solo episodes. And what I really wanted to bring you guys today is like a fly on the wall, just for you to listen in to my friend, Monique Carrier. She's been on the podcast before. We talk, I wouldn't say all the time, but frequently and help each other run our businesses and just talk about life. And I just thought, I really like listening in on these podcasts. I think our audience would like it as well. So Monique, when you first came on the podcast, your podcast was, you were like sitting at number one for months. You were like, came in out of nowhere, superstar. Everybody just absolutely loves it and loves you. Would you be able to share, where should we start? Shall we share how we met? Just remind people that if they're not not listened, how we met. Oh my gosh, no pressure with that introduction, right? (laughs) Lord. So we met because I remember I was still in my director role and I started to use LinkedIn a bit more. And um, I came across one of your blogs and articles sharing, I think you were sharing a framework or an approach. You were sharing a framework or an approach to how to communicate progress in a transformation project when you haven't got to the end destination yet. And I loved it. And I remember I saw it and I thought, this is so good. I printed it off and I shared it with my team in our next meeting. And I said, this is this will help us so much because we were running a big transformation program with lots of quite tricky sub projects in it. And I think I messaged you back and said, do you know what, Tara? Hi, nice to meet you. And I just wanted to share this tool was so powerful. This is what I used it for. And thank you so much. And it was from there, I think you got back in touch. Yeah. You invited me on the podcast. I think that was maybe in lockdown or in and around lockdown. I'm trying to remember the time. Might have been before. Can't remember the timeline quite well. But what connected to that was then you, what you just said, your episode did so well. People want to hear more from you. And you persuaded me. That's the word I want to use. You persuaded (laughs) me to do a webinar. And I remember you saying, I haven't done a webinar before, but don't worry about that. We'll work it all out. You just need to turn up. And the rest is history, as they say, like you really 
that was really a pivotal moment. I know we're going to talk about other stuff, but I don't know if you realise, Tara, how much that was a pivotal moment for me in you inviting me and pushing me, really pushing me to do that webinar. I remember that and just remembering, and we'll get into this, but it was like, you didn't need me. You just needed me to just go, why don't you do it? Like, I didn't need to be on that webinar. I barely said anything. Mm. I just provided the platform and just off you went. And everybody was so engaged and just it then, I wouldn't say spurred you on, but then you went on to do your own series of webinars, didn't you? Which were hugely successful. Did spur me on. As I said, it was such a pivotal moment. And I know I say it to you all the time, but you sharing your platform in the way that you do is just magical because it, it gives people a voice. It brings information to people that people need. And it really unlocks and helps people who are really battling away in the world of healthcare or in the world of business. So I know you're quite modest. I just think it is so true. And I learn so much from the guests you have. But you pushing me to do that webinar propelled me to really believe that what I had to share would be of use to others and to be of use to others on a grand scale. You know, I did understand I, I was good at speaking and I, and, and I could engage people. I've always been a very good change agent in my career. But what I didn't know was just turning up as me, telling it as me, sharing what's helped me on my journey in the way that I did. Because I think you really encouraged me when it just say it as you say it to me, as you said it to me in our conversation. That was the birth of the webinar series. And I called the webinar series and I called my podcast what you called that first webinar, be yourself, back yourself and make it happen, which you teased out from whatever I said to you on that first conversation we had together. Oh, it makes me so happy. So happy. So during that time, I can't take all of the credit because you had, and what I really loved, you call it your leaving well plan. So for a while in the background, you had started to think about life beyond your current role. And when you say you're a director, did you work? Yes, yes. So I had a 20-year career in the NHS. I started off as a PA when my oldest daughter was a toddler and worked my way up into the boardroom. So my last role before I left in 2001, 2021, sorry, was um, a director of strategy and transformation at a community trust in London. So I held that role for five years, just under five years. I left in March 2021. And as you say, I was toying with the idea of what next? Because I'd been in the role for a while. My personal belief is when you do transformation, normally if you come into a senior role in transformation in an organisation, you're there to deliver a big ask, isn't it? There's something, there's a burning platform somewhere and you need to sort it. And I had sorted that to a point. So it was almost like, well, what next? You don't then reinvent work for yourself. I then got the strategy brief. We, we had a lot of work to do in that space. Okay, that was kind of, it wasn't sorted, but the roadmap was really clear. So I felt like I was coming to, I'm not going to re-engineer work for myself. So what next? It's a CEO is the next role up for me. Do I want to be a CEO in the NHS? Nah, I didn't think that was right. That wouldn't think that was the right spot for me. Too political. Do I want to do strategy and transformation somewhere else? Don't know. Do I want to just get off the corporate train full stop? Don't know. But what I did know was I didn't want to stay where I was. And I've told you the story before, but my older and middle daughter tag teamed on me. One said to me, oh, your work sounds so vanilla, so beige. 
what's capacity? What's due diligence? You say it all the time and it's like, uh. <laughs> I think what she was trying to say to me in, in a very abrupt way was, this doesn't match you, mum, and what I know of you. And my other daughter said, you know what? You keep saying about work, either put up or shut up. <laughs> and I just think uh, you can't run away from that, can you? So I think them two just talking to me like that was the thing to say, what are you doing? And that's what kickstarted that leaving well plan because I knew I knew I had a lot of guilt. I was carrying a lot of guilt in terms of me in myself feeling it was the right time for the next step. But also that was in the pandemic. You know, that was the pandemic came and it was like I'd started to think about going. We're in the pandemic. I was the lead COVID recovery director. And it was actually I'm going to be leaving my team, leaving my organisation, leaving my exec colleagues at a really difficult time, at a really challenging time. And I felt responsible as part of that team, that actually I felt responsible for my team. It really attacked me to leave them. So that guilt, I had to work through that. I worked through that with my coach about really trying to release that guilt and to be able to have clarity in myself, why it was the right decision for me, but also being able to communicate to others honestly about why I was going. I haven't got it in my tank to drive another round of this. I'm always the chief influencer, you know, the chief change agent, the energy giver. And I just didn't have that in the tank. And I could feel my integrity going, you're standing up and saying this, but you're not there. You know, you're not there. And I thought, no, that's not right. I'm not standing up in front of our staff saying things that I feel I'm not fully there because my tank is empty. You know, so being able to speak about that, being honest with the organisation. And when I say the organisation, doing an all staff message and video to say, I am going, this is why I'm going, but I'm so proud of you. You're doing so well, not condescending, but just being able to be really honest about, you know, I've been at this for a long time. I've got three children. I want to be able to have more balance and I want to be able to have some time to think about what I want to do. But I don't want to leave you guys, but I have to do that at this moment in time. And I hope you can understand that. And I feel emotional even saying it to you now. I, I was in tears a lot in that last month of my role. So what did your leaving plan look like? It looked like in terms of chunking down how to work through my options, because I think it can be really scary when you say you're going to walk away from a well-paid role, a great pension almost a job for life you know to walk away from that as I mentioned I've got three children I'm a solo mum I've got a big mortgage I'm in a situation that many people are what would that look like on the other side what are my options is what I said to you do I want to go into another role do I want to stay in corporate do I want to work for myself do I want to just have a sabbatical what is it and working through those but what I also did Tara in that plan was I went all the way to the end so I'm a person if you ask me how do I deal with fear I go all the way to the end of what's the worst thing that could happen. Mm. So that was an important thing to do in that plan, to write down the worst thing that could happen is that I don't get another job. Business fails. I've got no money coming in. So that was my worst case. There's no money coming in. I can't manage my house. And I said, OK, if that happens, I would rent my house out. And me and my children, my family said they would put me and my children up. So I knew, although that sounds complete, that's not going to happen. But I had to go there because that was yeah, my worst yeah. fear. And once I thought, well, how realistic is that? Is that going to happen? I thought, well, if it does, 
I'll rent my house out to pay the mortgage and I'll stay with family for a short period until I can find something. Once I bottomed that out, I was able to write that resignation letter. So you had your plan. You want more balance. I always think it's interesting when people say they want more balance and then they go on to set up their own business. Oh, yes. (laughs) So you decided that you wanted to go it alone. Had you always had that in you or was it just the opportunity presented itself? How did you get from being a director to actually Mm. I want to create my own business? I think a couple of things. What else was in that Leaving Well plan which connects to this? I did a personal branding workshop to really understand that I might be a good, I talk a lot, as you'll gather, but something I wanted to do is to be really clear. What are you getting that money? When you're saying you develop, you like developing and supporting people to develop, you know, I like building and rebuilding teams. I love connecting the dots and taking people through that roadmap. I love solving that and complex issues. What does that mean in practice? You know, what is, what's your calling? So being able to work through that, through those sessions before I left my role was really, really important. And then starting to talk about it. So actually starting to just lean into that discomfort of putting a post out there on LinkedIn, just speaking a little bit more about what's important. What, what do I see is important in leadership? What is it that helped me propel my career? What does it feel like when you're the only black person or the youngest person in the boardroom what's that like how do you manage that how do you maneuver that how do you speak up as who you are so all those things that I spoke about on our webinar starting to post about them more and really crystallizing like I said my purpose that really helped me that was part of the plan and then building connection so not being scared to reach out to people for a conversation and say I'm going to be making a change this is going to be happening or I'm going to be you know can I have a chat? Can we have a half hour call? So making connections was an important part of that and leaving things in a good place for my team, making sure my team were as solid as they could be, that they had clarity for the months ahead, that I'd handed them over well, that everything was as tidy as it could be for them. But also I spoke with each one of them individually. In that plan was an important part about my team, leaving my team well, what do they need from me? leaving them with those core messages, what I saw, what they were great at, what we stood for, and to encourage them to keep going. That was a big part of the plan. So no, I didn't have a grand plan to go from director to running my own business. I've always felt that I could be a CEO. I just knew it. I didn't want to be a CEO in the NHS. But we giggle because as you know, balance and being a solopreneur don't really go hand in hand. (laughs) don't really go hand in hand. So I'd say my eyes on the prize in terms of one of the things that I'm trying to do is design, design my life. You know, me and you talk about this, isn't it? In a sense of if that's what you want, you've got to design it, put it in the schedule in that way, put it in the calendar. If you only want to work 35 hours, block the other hours off. If you want to batch work, put the batch work in the calendar. So I'd say to you, I'm in part two of the transition now, which is Design your life as a solopreneur so you can design the balance into it. Because I didn't have that. I didn't start as I meant to go on when I was a director. I've got the opportunity here to start as I mean to go on. So I'm not there yet, but I'm starting as I mean to go on. 
it's interesting. I think we're coming to that now, but I think ultimately you did start to design your life, you know, like way back when. And I think anybody listening to this is to take this opportunity to really think about what it is you want from your life or what you want for your life, not from your life, for your life, what you want for your work. Yes. And I think that we check and challenge each other, but we have to remember, like, why are we doing this? And I honestly think the sky is the limit. And I talk about this all the time. And I just think so many people think you have to be one thing or you can only do this, you can only do that. Or the fact that you mentioned your NHS pension. I know so many people that will not leave their job because of their NHS pension. They might be miserable. They might have 10 more years left, 15 more years. People have said to me, you know, they wouldn't leave their job to come and work for THC. And they're like in their 20s. And yes, the NHS pension is great, but think bigger, think broader, design your life. Yeah, yeah. I think there's so much you said in there. There's so much you said in there. And that first step about what is it you want for and from your life, you know, because, you know, I work as a leadership coach now, coaching many clients who are scared. And I don't use that word lightly, scared to say what they want, scared to say what they want, even just to say it, even to write it down for themselves. Sometimes we're so conditioned to making sacrifices or making do that when you get a chance to go, well, what do you want? You know, some people are still seeking permission from who I don't know, but usually yourself to be able to go, this is what I want. It's okay. And even what you were saying there about the pension. No, this conversation isn't about saying to everybody, run and leave the NHS tomorrow. (laughs) What I would say, though, is change the game. Because you can have a great career in the NHS and you still might be doing something else as well. That might be the design your life that you want. You want the thrill and excitement and energy or space to work outside of the NHS confines. But actually, because you're doing that, you're bringing your best self and your greatest energy back into your NHS role too. Again, people don't write that down because they think it's not possible. I think it is now, you know, and I think it is because there's such a workforce challenge organizations need to think differently about how they work and support their staff so that they can do their best let's get away from that strap line we create cultures where we enable you to thrive well part of creating that culture might be creating some flexibility that enables people to do that you know so me and you are big believers in design your life if you don't ask for it you will never get it if you don't ask you don't get if you don't put it on your calendar More often than not, it's not going to happen, right? So visualizing what you want, using your tools to help you work in the way you want. I'll still tell you straight up and down, the juggle struggle is real in my world. You know, like the to-do list is way too long all the time. But does that mean I don't aspire and keep trying and keep working at trying to get that balance? No, it doesn't mean that. I'm on a journey. We're always on a journey. That might be a cliche term. Right. Yeah. But we are always on a journey. That's what me and you talk about, isn't it? The check and challenge, how we challenge each other not to limit our thinking. We don't even use the word imposter syndrome, but almost saying like we call each other out on it. No, We're talking I, about you can't I do, do that. I, I do. One of the things I say when you were speaking is that you mentioned people are scared. And I think there's also mm. people just don't maybe it's scared. They just don't think big enough. And I think that they're around people that think you couldn't do that or they'll be the first person to say, no, you can't retrain and do something different. And I was saying that when before we jumped on the call, I'm a very risk averse person. Mm-hmm. Like I get opportunities all the time. I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm scared. 
And then I'm like, oh, you know, like I'll slowly start. I'll do what you did. What's the worst case scenario? Who else is doing this? Where do I want to be? What do I want my life to be? How much money do I want to make? What am I willing to do? And there is a boundary and it's okay, but you want to keep pushing that boundary. And there's also something you said about the to-do list is too long, but when it's your to-do list, it's something different. You know, like when it's not imposed on you, but when it's your to-do list of podcasts, blog, speaking, travel. I look, I honestly, I was walking to work the other day and I was like, I've had this business for eight years next week. And I was like, I'm walking to my office, you know, like it's still, it's not old, you know, like growing the business every year is different. I can change it when it gets too much. Oh my gosh. I really, really hear you on that. And I get asked that question a lot, Tara. See what you were just explaining there. I get asked that question a lot about, you know, how is it now you've moved into solopreneurship? What's it like? Is it better? Do you, how do you feel? Like people think it's, you know, it's magic. And I think you really hit the nail on the head, what you said there about the freedom that you have to design and do what you want. I think the, the, the pressure is different. So in corporate life, I felt very restricted at times. I felt like I wanted to drive change on a much bigger scale. I felt like I wanted to reach more people to empower and encourage and develop more leaders than just within my organizational system. But what I did have was the safety of my lanyard. That's the easiest way I explain it to people now. There's no lanyard. There's no ID badge. You're on your own. You are your business. You, Monique, me standing here, it's me, just me. And I think that's the bit that I would say I've got more freedom and autonomy but I also have to make it happen. There's no magic money coming through, hitting your bank no matter what. No, I have to go out there and graft it. If I don't get work in, I'm not paid, you know? So I think that bit, but I encourage people not to be frightened. You have to know yourself. I'm a very determined person. So when I set my mind to something, I will find a way to make it happen. I know that's my quality. I know for you, you also say you're very tenacious. You know that's your quality. So it's that thing about, You have to know yourself as well. But also what I feel sad about is what you were touching on, Tara. People are not being brave enough to even think the art of the possible, to even think what they might want to do differently, to even explore it. And I always say in coaching conversations, let's just start with some blue sky thinking and you writing it down. You don't have to take any action as your first step. Allow your mind to go there. See what shows up for you. See how you feel. And then we can talk about, well, what, like you said, what's that first micro step? Making transitions, moving into business is hard work. You you just said you've been in business for eight years and I know you're smashing it, but that hasn't come overnight. That hasn't come from just what we see as shiny on social media. There's a whole backstory to what got you to where you are today, you know, And, and it's not to scare people, but it's the reality, isn't it? I don't compare myself to you. I observe what you're doing and I ask your advice, but I don't compare myself because I'm at step one. You're at step six. I would say, so firstly, I would say, stop calling yourself a solo entrepreneur or solopreneur. Mm -hmm. I don't know why you're emphasizing that point because you run a business Mm -hmm. and actually you work for yourself. You know, once you've got a client, they're expecting deliverables. You end up probably having more bosses and clients than you would do in a normal job. You can't run your business by yourself and you have got some mighty strategic partnerships 
and you have got a fantastic network. If you need anything, you'll be able to get it. So you are not solo. I think the lovely thing and the one of the surprising things that I have found about running my business is that it sounds strange, but I can walk into a conference and know so many people. I don't think I'm great at networking. I kind of keep myself to myself, hang out in my office all the time. <laughs> but I have got a really good network and people do want to help me. People that do mm. the same and similar mm. things to me, my competitors are my friends. And I think a good example of our relationship is that you will say something and I think you're just, you're an entrepreneur, drop the so. No, no, um, you know, it's really, it's really insightful what you say there, because it's true. Why do I, I suppose what's in my mind, if I'm really honest, what's in my mind is because I was ingrained in a, in a corporate structure, you know, and in a large organization. So I don't feel lonely. But in my mind, it's most probably what I visualize as a big business. And I feel like I'm not there yet. What's important is that I'm, my vision is great. But you're right, because we are, we are what we, you know, we, what is it? You, you, you almost, you talk yourself into it, isn't it? And I don't want to do that. So I don't want to see myself that way. Because you're, the, the power of our network, it's been one of the things that's helped me to face my fears in this space. There's something about your fears when you're making a transition. Okay, I'm here now. I'm on the other side. The thing that helps me to face my fears has been my network, has been reaching out to you, you know, has been reaching out to other colleagues who are kind. There's some kind people out there as well. But you're so right. I don't want to limit myself with how I'm describing because otherwise I'm bringing my own thinking I'm squeezing yeah, my own yeah. thinking down so I absolutely accept the challenge okay my my lips are sealed I'm not using <laughs> it. You see it on my LinkedIn post go and edit it you can put a, you could put a line for you're not allowed to say that anymore Monique get rid of it it's gone thank you that's okay so how we often speak is through the power of WhatsApp we're both busy we're both mums we're both running businesses you don't have we don't have to respond straight away sometimes it doesn't even require a response I think I came to you actually I was like I've got an issue and then I've coached myself out of it so we use each other as a sounding board sometimes we'll come with very specific questions and I think we've known each other but we're still like any relationship you're still getting to know each other so it's that honest relationship and it's so special so rare because I do think when you run a business as open as you can there is always elements you want to keep close to your chest for sure and I think with you talk about opportunities I'm like I'm hiring somebody I'm firing somebody I've made a mistake there is just it's so lovely to be free I don't have to mm. pretend I don't have to make out that I'm bigger than I am or anything like that everybody needs a Monique in their life Right back at you, because you know what? We are real women in business and we vowed to show up as real women in business. And I value so much. We check and challenge each other as well on that because we know because we've got to know each other, because we know our values, because we know what we stand for, because we know how we think. We also will challenge each other on those voice notes. No, Tara, what are you talking about? What? You didn't go for that. Why not? Wait, no, listen, this is what I see here. You know, I mean, that's the kind of, I see this, this and this, or like what you do to me. Why are you not talking about this work that you're doing here? Get on there and you need to be saying this. You just need to say X, Y and Z. That's it. 
We know that for some women, some people and some women, women in particular, talking about money, people can feel quite uncomfortable about it. We're here to earn money. We've got families to look after, you know, and we're trying to do it in something that we feel we're good at and that it adds value. And talking about how we do that, talking about how we scale that, why shouldn't we be talking about that? You know, talking about when it goes wrong, like you said, talking about when we're frightened. Do you know what? I want to have this conversation with a client, but I want to test it out first. Why shouldn't we have that? The fact that we've got that together as two black women in this space doing that and that we have that innate trust, it is priceless. And I hope anyone listening today, please find your trusted friend, your trusted advisor. If you can find someone like Tara, who's your biggest cheerleader, but also the person who will give you the biggest kick up the bum as well, it is like magic. That's what I get from you, you know, and also that we both understand healthcare and I'm growing my understanding of business, but we understand business as well. We really can get into it in those short and sharp moments, you know, to be able to do that. Another thing I wanted to say is where you mentioned, so we're at different levels Mm -hmm. in business, but Mm -hmm. that also doesn't matter. I don't think I look to anybody and think, oh, you've had your business for X years or you have got, I don't know, 50 members of staff or do you know what I mean? You can learn something from everybody and Mm. you need the diversity of thought. So it doesn't matter. I speak to people that don't have a business. Do you know what I mean? Like I can still get business advice from people that don't have a business. I know it's different, but yeah, I don't ever think don't ever look at me like I, you observe me because I'm further along. Because in many ways, your mindset, sometimes I'm thinking, you teach me. Your, your mindset on many areas is more developed than mine. So the, the length in service doesn't really matter. Your 20 plus years work experience. And that's, I get to tap into that anytime I like. <laughs> but that's... But that's the beauty of our connection in the sense yeah. of, because the fact is you are levels ahead of me in the in business because of the size. When I say length of the, the length of time that you've remained in successful business and the, the turnover that you're making, I hear you that I have different skills and experience that bring something to you. But for me and what I value in you, I value your personality and I value your challenge, but I also value that insight that you do have because you've been eight years in business. And, eight, and it's not just eight years, in, it's eight years in successful business. That is the key word. You've also played around with your business, you know, in terms of trying different things out, being brave enough to try something and being brave enough to call it when nah, I don't want to go down that road, actually. That learning, because I'm so I'm so switched on by brave decisions. I like to understand if someone makes a brave decision, rather than just saying, be brave, go and do this and go. It doesn't help people. It doesn't help people to change. They'll be inspired in a moment and nothing changes. But when I can speak with you and go, okay, how, how did that happen? How did you assess that? Why were you brave enough? That's the learning, isn't it? And that's what we, yeah, that's what yeah. we share those nuggets of. How do we unlock when we are frightened? How do you unlock and get your risk your risk head off for a minute to then assess the situation properly and how how did you make the step change Tara from x number in your team to this number in your team to to check to them reviewing that those are the kind of conversations that we we have as well that I really really value so one of the things I think has come to light recently we're both saying that 
my cycle so these are com- these are sorts of conversations we have fellas you might want to switch off here <laughs> but there'll be times of the month certain types of the month surprisingly at the same time in every month where I become quite anxious I find it hard to make decisions I'm scared or I read too much into something mm. and that up and down and I think be flying I'm like yes I've got loads of energy I'm unstoppable then the next week I'm feeling a bit feeling a bit down I can't put my finger on it I can't make quite basic decisions Mm -hmm. and then something will happen and then I am fine so I think that how I make decisions you know like sometimes it is a strategic business decision it's like Tara in order to move A to B someone said you know like someone said to me you can either grow via tech or you grow via people Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. like a product or a service so when you kind of boil it down like that when you just think actually I don't have many there might be lots of options within that but not a tech-based business but could I develop a tech-based product that could be an option actually where is the juice in our service provision at the moment and that is that expertise that tacit knowledge and also that the tangible hands-on experience and tools and techniques we can either grow that way so there is that kind of more businessy type decision making and when you boil it down you know it's either a or b or c there aren't that many options and then as a female there is that layer of where am I in my cycle and does it affect the ability for me to choose option a b or c which are really quite straightforward and I think that has been quite key I've got the flow app hopefully they're going to come onto the podcast but understanding my yes. cycle and yes. my energy has been so yes. like oh yes it's yes. so funny you know like you don't get taught this at school you know you get sex education and they give you a little brown bag with a tampon and a sanitary pad and then it's like off you go and it's only dare I say it we're hitting that age group where we start to talk about things like the perimenopause which that's I'm, right that's right then understanding yourself or if you're not trying for a baby obviously if you're trying for a baby then you start to learn about it but when you're yeah. not in that space and we're not Monique we're not in that space we're heading towards it I think understanding so. your cycle <laughs> it does add another layer of how you manage yourself and how you communicate how you communicate and you go into a meeting or you're in a negotiation, or you have to give bad news, and you're feeling not yourself, is hard. So so important we speak about this, because we're talking about the how, we're talking about how to make big, brave decisions. How does it feel to be in that space, whether you are running your own business, or whether you're in a senior leadership role, and actually taking account as a woman, you know, it's not a disadvantage, it's just to be aware of it. At times in the month, you it may you may feel like you said that when you sometimes we talk at that point, don't we? I just want to bounce this idea of you because I don't know if I'm coming at this the right way. I'm not feeling myself. I'm not feeling great. I just want to test it out. Being able to recognize and acknowledge that so you don't beat yourself up, but also you don't make irrational decisions in that <laughs> time and space, yeah. right? And being yeah. aware of it. And also accepting that we're push if you're pushing hard and if you're really driving yourself and you're leading in a challenging time or challenging space being kind to yourself at those moments in your cycle as well is really important you mentioned perimenopause I think that's coming my way sooner rather than later actually and I'm trying to make sure I'm noticing any symptoms and being aware of it so I'm not going what's wrong with me 
what's wrong with me? Why can't I get my head around that? Why am I feeling emotional? Why am I feeling tearful? That might be what's causing it. So not beating myself up about it and going, Monique, pull yourself together, but actually acknowledging it and going, okay, what do I need to be considering in my wellness then and in how I'm working to help myself manage that, but also so that I'm also doing things at the time when I'm at my best. We talk about zone of genius all the time, don't we? Yeah. That, what you just explained now, I think also is part of recognizing when you're in your zone of genius, whether that's what you're doing or whether that's when you're doing it. Yeah, it also reminds me of in Seddy's podcast, I need to double check the number, but he talked about being fit to lead. And I remember thinking like, what do you mean? And I think that when you, a leader, doesn't matter where you are, where you sit, you do have to be fit to physically fit, mentally fit. But also, I think I did say to you, you know, like sometimes we don't want to be too, you don't want to be hard on yourself, but there's also like you can have a bad day and mm-hmm. there be nothing wrong with you. <laughs> you know, like sure. you can, there can be no rhyme or, you know, like we're not superhuman, but I think being fit to lead or becoming fit to lead is so important. You do need your sleep. You know, like, yes, it's all about the hustle and you have to put yeah. the hours in. I've not cracked it without putting the hours in. I'm not one of these, I'll work one, you know, two hours a day sort of person. I think it depends what you're doing. And how long so, you've been doing it for? Depends what you're doing, depends what you're trying to aim for. Because I think our, our ambitions are big. You know, we, we think big. Um, and it depends how you're wired. You know what motivates you. I think this is a mad segue because we didn't plan this, by the way, but you mentioned Seti and I'm going to mention Emma Challens, who I know you you had on yeah, the podcast yeah. recently. And I kept in my keynotes, what I give, I kept saying, you know, I don't like using the term resilience anymore because I felt like resilience came up very highly during the pandemic, isn't it? And people keep talking about, you know, we need to help our people to be more resilient. Well, when we're talking about resilient, we thought the pandemic was for a shorter time. A lot of what happened in the pandemic is still affecting people. You know, services are still under the greatest of pressure, etc. You know, when you're saying build resilience up until, well, until when? This is the space we're in now. And Emma said to me, oh, Monique, there's a different way I describe it. And I talk about emotional fitness. And I think that really, I thought of it when you said fit to lead, because I love that term emotional fitness, because it's almost something you can check in on yourself. How emotionally fit do I feel right now? So that fit to lead, you know, how emotionally fit do do I feel emotionally fit enough to go and tackle the biggest problem on my radar? You might not. So then it gives you that chance to go, okay, what can I do? Or what do I need to do to help build up my emotional fitness? Where, and you can measure that at any time, check in on yourself at any time. You might only need a small top up, but actually you might find you're running really low and that's not the time to go and launch into something major. So I, I really love that. Again, coming back to being practical, I feel like it gives me a more practical visual to explain and support people with. How emotionally fit do you feel today? How emotionally fit do you feel today? I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> today, being on, I feel good because it's a Friday. Friday's always the best day of my week. I went to a wonderful networking evening last night, Precious Nights. So really intimate and wonderful. Me and you went to Precious Awards. I know you know the Precious family well, but been there in a space where it's all women of colour, learning from a panel about your relationship with money. It was a great conversation. And I had two of my closest friends there as well. So a lovely evening. And I needed that. And I don't know that I realised I needed it until I was there. Beginning this this week felt really challenging, really challenging. 
and actually going to that event last night, knowing I was going to be having a conversation with you today and knowing it's Friday and my emotional fitness feels really good today, but it might not on Monday. Yeah. And that's okay because I'm working in a challenging space and I'm trying to grow a business. It's going to be hard. So my emotional fitness may bounce up and down daily and I accept that's okay at the moment. I'm conscious of time. Would you be able to share with us what is bravery in the boardroom? Bravery in the boardroom. Bravery in the boardroom is a movement. I co-founded it with Sam Alsop Hall and Liam Molesworth, November 2021. It came from a conversation I had with Sam. Sam was a guest on your podcast, connected with him on LinkedIn, loved the episode. He came to some of my webinars and I reached out to him for a conversation to say, I'm now doing some leadership work. You're really well connected. You work a lot in the NHS as well. It'd be great to share more. And Sam was like, okay, let's jump on a conversation. Long story short, we spoke about what we had interest in and we both were speaking about the lack of diversity in the NHS at senior level, obviously connected to the role I had and the position I had. And we were just saying about there's so much stuff going on around EDI and leadership, but actually what is helping to turn the dial now? to see more senior diverse talent coming through, to see it more, to see more representation at board level and to also see more inclusive leadership. So not just it's all about supporting and, and asking the minority to do the work. As the majority in a boardroom, are you leading more inclusively? When you have diverse leaders in your boardroom, are you giving them equal voice? You know, or are they there just to tick your box? Where do we have these conversations? Where do we drive it? So Bravery in the Boardroom has kicked off as a series of roundtable webinars where we have panels of current execs and non-execs from the NHS, from ethnically diverse backgrounds, sharing their story and journey, but also sharing how they're using their power and influence to drive change and to see and to tackle inequality, to tackle discrimination, to tackle racism. And also to be there almost like an online mentoring session. So our audience, we have aspiring executives, we have heads of leadership development, we have existing execs, chairs and CEOs who are recruiting into boards to come and hear the conversation as well. What more can we all do? So we are, we say we challenge ourselves, we challenge each other and we challenge the system on moving forward so that boardrooms in the NHS are more representative and we see it sustained. So in a nutshell, that's what Bravery in the Boardroom is at the moment. We're now developing and moving that forward to expand into a platform. And actually, we're going to be launching Bravery in the Boardroom, the podcast this year as well. Yay. So we know people want to hear more from the panel guests we have who have been amazing. But people want to hear more and they want to hear more about each person's journey. So we'll be inviting a range of leaders at all levels from across the NHS and other industries too, who are driving change who are standing up for a minoritised group, who hold senior roles as well, and to understand more about how they're doing that and what got them there. So many questions. <laughs> but I'm like, well, how, you have to come back again. You have to come back again. <laughs> I try to say it in a nutshell. <laughs> I think it's I think it's perfect. I think I hope I'm going to be part of one panel. Do you know what I was also, one of the things I was going to say, and I don't know if you've got time, but I know lots of leaders from a minority background that, you know, like they don't have a story. They don't mm -hmm. have, mm -hmm. it was really difficult and this is what I did. Their story is, I just worked hard. I didn't feel like I worked any harder. I didn't think, I feel like I had the same opportunities and this is where I am. And they don't have a, 
they don't have a story and they can't relate to some of the horrific horror stories that are out there and a lot mm-hmm. of the barriers and I think that I'd say I probably fall into that bracket we just talked to somebody about doing TED she was like we do a TED talk and I was like but I don't have a story I don't have a rags to riches story I, I don't so I think that is bravery in the boardroom a place for people like that as well so so I think two things I'd say back to that thank goodness that you haven't, you don't have a horror story or a rags to riches story, you know, that it's not wrong, but you're one of very, very, very few, you know. So I think there's two things there is one is it's great if you didn't, and that's helped you to propel to where you are and to be doing what you're doing. And for you to now turn around and share your platform with others, you're one of too few who say that. The majority in the minority will tell you about the challenges, about the discrimination, about the blockers and about the barriers. And why do we talk about that? One, because to understand how they navigated it, what helped them, but also to so because we have to keep moving forward on removing these barriers and removing these. They should not be there. Everybody should have an equal opportunity to progress in the way that they want to and to have the roles that they want. And when they get into those roles to be seen as a fully paid up and equal member with equal voice. And that isn't happening. And that must happen. And there are different facets that we must tackle to ensure that that happens. So telling the story helps people to understand it more. But I think people know enough now. We also are trying to inspire those to understand. Because the thing I would say very quickly, Tara, is that there isn't someone tapping someone else on the shoulder to say, this is how you navigate. So if you're in a minority, a lot of the time you don't have that sponsor or mentor or someone who's shown you how to navigate through And if we're talking about the NHS, it's a minefield. And when you get to a certain mid-level and above, it's not just as simple as you just apply for the next role on paper. No one explains to you how to really prepare and get ready. If you do have someone who taps you on the shoulder and takes you under their wing, great. But a lot of the time for colleagues from minoritized or ethnically diverse backgrounds, they don't. So using the platform of Bravery in the Building to share that information as widely as we can in those 90-minute sessions helps people to wonder oh actually I should try and get onto that or I should look for a coach or now I understand how and why I could use a mentor it's just trying to give some nuggets to help people who could be really struggling on their own or to share the good practice of the initiatives and and interventions that people are doing in other organizations that are working really well and are driving change well let's amplify them and get, you know, try and push for more organisations to be doing that. So it doesn't matter that you're one of the very few. We shouldn't then not hear your story, because I think you have lots you share about how you've run your business and how you look after yourself as a woman in business and what you've done to use your power to help others who are disadvantaged. But we need more people in this next round of life that are able to say what you've said. I didn't have to face these barriers. So if I'm listening to this thinking, how do I work with Monique? She needs to work with my organisation or I want her to be my coach. How do people work with you or how do you work with others? Yes, I do. So two ways. So as I said, I'm a leadership coach. So I work with one-to-one clients, supporting them, supporting you to be brave is how I would coin that. So I work with individuals and I work with organisations who bring me in to come in and you know coach a cohort of their mid or senior level leaders as well. I also deliver a range of development programs around for diverse talent 
but also for in Bravery in the Boardroom, we also are developing our offer about supporting those who are just ready to go into the boardroom. So ready to go into the boardroom within the next 12 months from diverse backgrounds, we are going to be doing more work in that space. So always happy to talk to people about what we offer and the support I offer, but it really is about supporting people and organisations to lead bravely. Do you speak? Yes, I do. Oh my gosh, forgot to say that. Thank you for the prompt. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also a keynote speaker and regular panellist talking about brave leadership and career progression and how my thing is always about bringing the practical how. So not just how, you know, this is what you should do as a brave leader, but actually sharing and giving insights and practical advice about how to do that and how to put that into action. Okay. And where do where can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. That's my happy place. That's my busiest place. I'm also on Twitter. You can also find me, make sure that we post my website for my consultancy, your new avenue. And also we will post the Bravery in the Boardroom social media handles and YouTube channel where you can check out all previous recordings of our sessions before. Just to summarise, one the reason why I wanted to do this interview is A, I wanted you to hear these are the sorts of conversations that we have like mm-hmm. on a regular basis. We do it via WhatsApp, or but we have met. We went to an awards ceremony together and we've also met up for a drink. So sometimes you don't always have to meet, you know, like the virtual yeah. world is powerful. You can just do it <laughs> over WhatsApp. Having a friend that understands what you do, but is one step removed is really, really helpful. Being able to communicate what it is you need in that moment. So she'll just, Mm -hmm. I need someone to just listen, or I need this. Like, I tell me what you would do if you were me. Like, we've got that relationship. I'm not going to aim, I'm not just going to follow you. Do you know what I mean? But I want to generally know what you would do. Having that sort of relationship is so, so important being an emotionally fit to lead it's not all about the business strategy you have to take care of you have to take care of your mind and mm-hmm. I think when you're running a business there'll be male or female there's just lots to juggle lots and lots to juggle and you have to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and you need to surround yourself with your employed team a virtual team mentors like you just can't I mean, maybe you can do it on your own, but it's a lot nicer doing it with other people, you know, like it's, you don't have to do it on your own. And I also wanted to just pull out that you said when you were kind of creating your Leaving Well program, you had a coach, you invested in a coach, Mm. you went to a brand kind of specialist to work Mm -hmm. out your message, like you reached out to me, you've gone to networking events, you've jumped on a webinar, you've done podcasts, like it's about being proactive and investing in yourself. And if you do work in health and care, there are a lot of opportunities, like we're so lucky, you know, like you don't always pay for it. But if you really want to progress and you want to do it a little bit faster, you will get, if you do the work, your coach can only take you so far. You have to do the work. You will get your intern and return on investment. And I can sit here and rave about coaching. I'm not selling you anything. I'm not a coach. I, I've got some episodes coming up. I went to Nashville a few weeks ago to meet my coach and my mastermind group in person. I count you as a co- you know, like a coach and a friend. <laughs> it's so important. And mm-hmm. when you've got the right rapport and your coach or your friend understands you, you know, you can kiss goodbye to these hour long conversations. Sometimes we'll help each other in like five minutes done. Yeah. yeah. Speak to the wrong yeah. person. 
you know, two hours later, they're still helping you tie yourself up in knots. Whereas someone's just got to ask, you know, just pose that question and you'll think, oh, I didn't think of it like that. We do that all the time. Yeah. What a fantastic summary because, you know, really listening to what you summarised there, I think leading bravely and understanding the support tools you need in your toolbox. And what we've shared here today is that we are each other's crucial tool in our toolbox. You know, we are, and as I said, we are very blessed that we are friends, but we also have enough of a, a the strength of our relationship means we can check and challenge and comfort in equal measure. And we understand the spaces that we're operating in. And you are, like I said, a very important support tool in my toolbox. And I don't say that like, oh, you're just a tool. I don't mean it like that. I mean, <laughs> you're just, you're an important tool in me leading bravely. So when people say to us, you're so brave, how do you do it? I hope this conversation today has, has helped people to see the reality that we feel scared. We have fears as well as making brave decisions, but some of what we've used to help us make those brave decisions and how we support each other on our journey of being brave. I value our friendship. I value so much what you do. I look up to you. You're very strategic. Sometimes I just wake up and think, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Then I just do it and I get it. So I'm doing it and I think, oh, I haven't always thought it through to the end. You're very strategic. You slow me down. You're very thoughtful. And just, I love it when you come on the call and you're just good things are happening for you because you deserve it so we'll close out now as we'll never we'll never shut up but thank you so much for coming (laughs) thank you so much tara until the next time absolutely so much for joining us if you like what you hear I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review I know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care on Instagram and on LinkedIn just look for Tara Humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.